Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Bonjour, je m'appelle Marek Larwood. Marek's been learning French. Oui, beaucoup de français. I don't speak a word of it, I don't know it. Do you but... not actually speak French? No, I didn't do it at school. I did German at school, but I was equally terrible at that. Uh, I really like Fabian Faust and me, and you're not good at... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Oh, you wish like me Shadow ill. Freuder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, let's just get straight to the films. The films, all right. Um, you've been to the cinema. I went to the cinema and I went to see Woody Allen's latest film. Is it a, is it a return to form, which is what people say after every Woody Allen film? Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. But it, it is a very good film. It is like blue. It's called Blue Jasmine. It stars Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. Yep, she's very good, isn't she? Blanchett. Well, if if going back to your French, it would be it'd be Blanchette. Blanchette. Yeah. Uh, she's very good. She almost looks like a beautiful alien, isn't she? She's quite alien. Yeah, that's bit... why she got cast in Lord of the Rings. Is, yeah, she's uh... got an ethereal quality, mm. like Tilda Swinton, but like the good Tilda Swinton. To Tilda Swinton's evil. Tilda Swinton is more alien than Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she's she's sort of off-puttingly uh, ethereal. But she almost corpsed that Tilda yes. Swinton, I think. Anyway, Kate Blanchett plays. It's essentially. I keep on saying essentially. <laughs> it is. It's one of those words people start saying, like basically or essentially or literally. Virtually. I'm saying it constantly. <laughs> um. It's a character piece following Kate Blanchett, who uh, her her relationship with her husband has broken down. Formerly, she was rich, sort of socialite, who lived in a, a luxurious lifestyle with her husband, who is had lots of businesses, and his son from a previous arranged uh, marriage. Now she's had to move in with her sister after her uh, her poorer sister, who they're both adopted. Who Back plays in, her sister? Her sister is played by an actress. Good choice. Good yeah. choice. Actress's name is not. It's not coming up. <laughs> it's Sally Hawkins. Oh, Sally Hawkins. She's very good. She was in my play, the one before the one you were in. Oh, really? Yeah. She English. Yeah. She started out in sketches, sketch stuff. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's from Made in Dagenham. Yeah, yeah. She's the lead in Made in Dagenham. She's in all sorts, all or nothing. And I uh, didn't even know she was English in there. She was yeah, incredible. Yeah. She's very good. Um. Uh, and so Kate Blanchett moves back in with her sister, played by Sally Hawkins, right? And her sister's new boyfriend, and has to get accustomed to a much poorer lifestyle. It, on the face of things, it doesn't sound... I've not given it the best description. Yes, it, I, I get where it's going. It's sort of like a posh fish out of water. Yeah, it's a fall from... It's a study of a character's fall from grace and how they deal with that breakdown. Um, always when I go and see a Woody Allen film, I worry it's going to be really self-referential. Yeah. There's only one instance when they start talking about what's happening. You know, I'm sometimes feel like this. It, they're talking about what's happening at the moment, how the characters are feeling. Really, it's his sort of signature piece. Really, that does it work in the mouth of anybody else? Do you think in his films? I don't think it does, but that's what's good about this film. We didn't do that. Yeah, because I remember watching Matilda and Matilda, which I think is the one that's uh, um, all done, sort of narrated by a conversation being had with Wallace Shawn in a restaurant, and he's basically just describing what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling whilst watching yeah, this and it's yeah. an obnoxious way of telling a story it's yeah. really irritating it was, it was interesting the first time we did it in sort of Manhattan Annie Hall that yeah but when it's him it's fine because it is authored it feels yeah. more coherent well, he's, I think he stopped doing that from his last Midnight in Paris I really enjoyed as well this was great I mean uh, hats off to the um, it, it's like an acting showcase and I think we've talked about who's going to be up for the sniff of the Oscars I think Kate Blanchett's got to be up there for this uh, at the very start of it I thought oh is she too over the top she plays a really um, it's great seeing the lead a, a, a really, an unlikable lead what's the word when you're when you're an anti-hero yeah um, and she's a bit like that so it's, it's fascinating to watch characters and Woody Allen's great at his best when he's putting together people who don't necessarily fit yeah and having awkward moments um, all the characters are fully rounded uh, it's about the difficulties of someone's life falling apart, and it's essentially the question of do you choose wealth above anything else, and the, and the sacrifices you make, and the, the moral of it is someone losing out because they don't put trust their instinct and go what they love. They just are after wealth and fame and fortune. It reminded me a little bit of a ex-girlfriend of mine. But I, won't, <laughs> I won't go into that. Um, a really entertaining film. Really entertaining. It's good to go for to cinema for an hour and a half film, hour and forty minutes for a chance rather than these. Every film seems to be two hours. Yeah, yeah, Plus unnecessary. It, usually because they're fat. Yeah, it's normally. I don't know if for you listeners, it's it's thirty minutes of trailers. Yeah. Adverts, including the worst Kevin Bacon advert, which get for which get worse every single time I go to cinema. Poor Kevin. Bacon. In the film. Yeah, so I would recommend this. Uh, I think for Francesca Scalicci, one of our listeners recommended it. Ah, oh, um, great. Okay, so I didn't know it was a recommendation. I, I, I would have maybe gone seen it. Um, oh, that's because um, Woody Allen. We've talked about him before, and we've had several guests on who have uh, brought him up the, of their own volition as well, as well as guests who brought along Woody Allen film. I think um, Izzy Sutty brought along a Woody Allen film back in the Absolute Radio days, and Josh Howie did as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, he's a popular one, and he still remains so, but he has sort of... I mean, I joke about it, but everyone does say, it's a return to form with every film because it's sort of so widely known how duff his films were for a while. Well, hey, when I think of Woody Allen films, I I would know why... The only reason I watched this, 
because the choice was this or the fifth estate. And I do. I looked on IMDb to see what, and the fifth estate was five point eight, mm. and this was seven point eight. So I went with the there trusted we people on IMDb. Wow, Did IMDb is an interesting one uh, because it's got Metacritic on there as well now, doesn't it? Yeah, because it used to just be people who wanted to post a review on IMDb, and that is not a reliable thing of anything because the only people who will are people who give everything ten. Or people who want to destroy things. <laughs> so it's, you know. Can you explain what Metacritic is? Metacritic is an amalgamating website that goes, um, combines into a uh, percentage score all of the reviews that it can find from legitimate sources. So, you know, we're talking, you know, The Telegraph or The Independent or Empire Magazine or New York Times or whatever, and amalgamates them into one score. So overall, what, what it got. So. A high Metacritic score usually means that critically, it, well, it does mean critically, it was very well received. Um, Breaking Bad, the final episode, I've been told, uh, which I've not got to yet, but uh, apparently was the highest rated uh, piece of television ever on Metacritic in terms of wow. critical response, which I'm looking forward to because it's very hard to end one of those American series because often they don't know where it's going. That's why I've stopped watching them. Yeah, because they... Th- yeah. Anyway, um, oh, I'm glad. That's good. It was uh, really... And interesting enough, the people who went... I went on a Monday, so the Odeon Monday, you get 25% off. Yes. Um, so it's it only sort of, £28, Yes, it? it was only yeah. £2,000 <laughs> with a pop, with overpriced popcorn. But um, it was full of quite a lot of um, pensioners. Going my, to Woody Allen film? Yeah. My Odeon Muswell Hill, which is my local cinema, yeah. as I regularly go to, I know probably the exact... It's normally... 10 people or less whenever I go there. <laughs> I don't go on Friday or Saturday, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, during the week, just go during the week. Well, it's nicer, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're not in an area that um, people tend to respect the film, you know, because if you go, certainly, I, I live in Camden and often the clientele there are just sort of going there to hang out, really. They've heard that it might be all right and they'll just mm. talk and you know, wander about and, and that rubs off on the staff who often won't turn the lights off or, you know, it's oh, just okay. terrible. Muswell Hill has got very good clientele. Always go to cinema during the day. <laughs> That's true. I agree. I think the Curzon's got very good clientele as well. Oh, brilliant. And the Prince Charles, similarly. Um, yeah, no, good fun. So, uh, moving on. So, I recommend that. I really I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great... A, How many Marics? Eight Marics. Oh, Okay. Yeah, really good character right. piece, really good uh, good so, acting. and it, You can just watch, you don't need the flashy stuff, you just need to have great characters working together and they're, they're good to watch. It did sag a little bit occasionally and I felt like the narrative wasn't really, pro- it's not really, a, a, it's like a section of someone's life rather than the film. And that, what was interesting, they, they, they jumped around in time. Okay. So they showed Kate uh, Blanchett's life before... And they'd have different segments of their lives and uh, what happened and cut back and forth. And that went really nicely. Did they do it with haircuts? No. Just I, but I, you, knew, you knew what happened, but it jumped around the narrative that showed... It wasn't a, a set timeline for the narrative. It worked really well. Okay. Oh, that was nice. Well done. So, well done, Woody Allen. Carry on making it. You can, you're allowed to make one more film. <laughs> He's getting very grumpy, isn't he? Is he? I, can, I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. A lifetime working in the film industry trying to get the thing you want to make made must drive you up the wall. You see the people who don't get work. 
Yeah, I know. They're twice I mean, as grumpy. At, at least he's Woody Allen. Yeah, he gets you know? to make pretty much what he likes, really. He does. Thanks to people, the French like him, don't they? They do, they do. A continued critical uh, success really does help you in terms of uh, getting what you want made. That'll come up again, actually, later on in the podcast. Um, well, Blue Jasmine, go check it out, 8 Marricks. Meanwhile, talking at IMDb... Yes. Um, I posted something on my Facebook page, which I've got an to something else. They've got this uh, list, um, some one of these list things, I can't remember what it is. You, it allows you to go through the IMDb top 250 films of all time. Yes. And see how many you've watched. How many did you get? I got 188. That's bloody good. Well, that was last week. What did you get? I got 158. And we both agreed the same thing, didn't we? We did, that we needed to watch more Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. But there's quite a few Chaplins up there on the list, and I think two Keatons, Buster yeah. Keatons. Um, but they, every time I got to a Chaplin, I was like, oh, I can't see yeah. more of this. There's about seven or eight, yeah, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I think I've always seen bits of him, but I've never sat down I and have, watched. I'm exactly the same. I've never sat down and watched one. And um, I've seen one Buster Keaton before, which is The Navigator, which is about him on a boat, which I thought was incredible. Because if, if we've ever complained about not being able to see the action uh, because of jump cutting in the modern you know style of music videos, usually because they've got a big Hollywood star who isn't very good at the action, so they're jump cutting around it to, so it doesn't mm. look lame. Back in the day, their only option was to stick a wide-angle lens on it and have someone incredible do something for you. And that is such a breath of fresh air. Uh, so this, what happened this week is that we watched... We watched um, probably the two most critically acclaimed films, uh, one from each of them. So we've watched Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times, uh, which is 1937? 36, I think. I think it's 36. Well... I think that's pretty good. I'll uh, give you 1937. It's, uh, yeah, 36, you're right. And Buster Keaton's The General, which is 1927. 26. Oh! <laughs> what a struggle with me. I, did, I went from the UK release, clearly. Oh, of course, so, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a decade apart, but um, certainly of a sort of, of a genre, definitely. I, I mean, mean, the first thing you have to say, touching back on what you just said. Yeah. Is they were incredible, both of them weren't. My they? God, you just sort of the mind boggles that if you were actually on set watching it happen, you'd be you'd worry for their lives constantly. Like their their pratfalls and things, they they yeah. must be so bruised after a, after a day's shooting, or, or not? Maybe not. Maybe they're so good at it. I mean, which should we talk about first? Because I don't want to go back and forth. We do modern times. First. Modern times. Okay, so 1936, Charlie Chaplin film. Um, Quite tragic, actually, this one. But it's it's. Shall I tell the story of this one, and then do you want to yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, Charlie Chaplin's playing his little tramp character again, who um, works in a factory. It's all about industrialization and um, the industrialization of society, really. But um, and about depression era America. So he he's uh, works in a factory, but he's a clown and he gets stuff wrong, and then he gets fired, and then accidentally. Uh, uh, ends up at the front of a uh, social, a communist rally, and so ends up in prison. And then it's just it keeps going and going and going at such a pace. But he meets um, a orphan girl who is uh, uh, lost on the streets, and they form a friendship and end up sort of uh, uh, helping each other out in their lives as they go along. It's very sweet. 
So, I mean, that's it. it. It's a Charlie Chaplin, from what I've led to believe from clips I've seen, in that it's it's sort of set-piece comedy routines, you know, very, very reminiscent of uh, the Marx Brothers or, mm. or uh, Buster Keaton. I, I, I felt when I was watching this, I've got... I don't know what impression our listeners have. You've probably watched it, listeners watching more than me. My impression going into this... Uh, I, thing is just seeing clips on YouTube and bits of uh, sort of mer- all merging them all together you know yeah, uh, yeah. merging um, what's something they call L- uh, Lauren Hardy and slightly ju- just slightly lame annoying yeah the three stooges yeah, sort of yeah. thing yeah and annoying jokes this is actually quite this is a classy bit of physical comedy yeah hugely so and one thing that annoyed one thing that annoyed me is I don't particularly like um, oh, I don't think it's aged well that Chaplin character, the looks and the. the, the that I find him. I find when he's doing sort of um, anything other than sort of naive clown innocence, he's a little. He looks a little creepy. Oh, but, do you? Yeah, I just when he smiles at people or whatever, I don't. Yeah. I don't believe it quite so much. But okay. But when it's in the wide and everything, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, physically, I've not seen anything like it. There's a bit. Uh, it's a famous. Uh, bit of when they're just he's just tightening the screws he's starting off in the factory and you've got the the factory line and his job is to tighten the screws yeah. in the in the, in the factory thing and I've done quite uh, we both work in comedy and we've done quite a lot of physical stuff I was watching him purely as someone who admires that technique I'm a big fan of people like Michael Crawford and people like that yeah yeah the fact that he's had to move to, to carry on doing it for so long and yeah. it takes a long takes yes where and all of the, the conveyor belt of things yeah, is going all of past. the other actors it's so the choreography of them yeah. is so precise you don't see that because, I, I, because of the nature of the filming I was exactly the same just marvelling at the technique of when he misses one and it goes down the line and he ends up going uh, he, having to catch up after getting distracted get, he it, always picks the correct one each time as in the, even though he's had to take his eye on, off yeah. it for the choreography he and he's, always and he, and he's actually hitting the th- and I know he's probably not doing it and the film's degraded and it just looks oh, amazing. It looks so precise and oh. so fun. Like the bit where he gets sucked into the machine and suddenly he's going up and round. It looked like um, a Terry Gilliam animation yeah. or something. But it was real. It was real. You know. I think. It, I think um, they're held in, in such high regard because they they influence so yes. much. And this film is worse. Not just about. I thought it would just be pratfalls and jokes. Yeah. And that what put me. I thought I can't sit through an hour and a half of that. That will get exhausting. It was actually. I think it's been picked at the time. It didn't wasn't particularly well received, was it? Um, no, it was well. Uh, no, this. I'm not sure about modern times. I know um, the general wasn't. I think it wasn't. It was. I, I think that neither the word, but this is went on to become one of his uh, yes most respected films. But it just says so much about the it's a, as a piece of social commentary. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, this is the interesting and slightly tragic thing is that it was this film. Um, and not the great dictator, but this film that convinced the uh, House's Un-American Committee uh, that uh, Chaplin was a communist, which he staunchly wasn't. He, but you know, it was McCarthyist era. They were, you know, it was witch hunts all round. So um, he would have probably been the biggest star at the time. I would have thought mm. he's British, but he was the biggest star in Hollywood when he went to uh, promote modern times in Europe. I think it may even have been Britain. They barred his re-entry to the states. And that was it. So this was the last this last film he made over there. And um, it was going to be um, his first proper talkie film. Mm. And 
he decided against it during the thing. So um, there is some talking in it, which is all um, pre-recorded stuff. Uh, anything that's on a gramophone or you know equivalent is 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 actual voice, and everything else is the type, the plates going up saying what they're saying in the old silent movie style. But apparently, this is the last film to ever do that. So it's the last film of the silent era as well. And they they banned him from America after it. So it really is that silent movie's over. The biggest star of silent movies gone. Mm. Really sad that he didn't get to do any more. What is incredible is how it is. It doesn't. It feels relevant now. Those issues yeah. of poverty and uh, even. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think all my friends. We talked about this before. We talked about in terms of the way that houses and people's lives are depicted in films. Socially, especially in London where we live, and there's lots of actors and stuff. Everyone's getting poorer and poorer yeah. and getting pushed out. No one can. Everyone's living in tiny, tiny flats. Well, it's what happened no one's in got all a, that. Yeah. No one's got a garden. No one's. Everyone's trying to get on a, a housing ladder and they can't afford anything other than the. A, basically yeah. a box somewhere well not not to get too much into the sort of depressing uh, facts and figures of it but I was uh, looking at a thing recently today this morning in fact that in America the uh, the difference between poor and uh, rich is so different to how it's ever been yeah. like uh, the top 1% as you know has now become a catchphrase but owns about the same wealth as the bottom 40 combined mm. and it's it's unbelievable. It's you know, and this this is it is relevant. But you know, to be then branded a communist because he believed that that was wrong. That that the, they believed there was no middle ground between pure socialism and you know pure capitalism. It's very odd, very odd. But no, I think it is only going to remain relevant every time that you know people get hit hard financially. Yeah, it's it's great film, absolutely great film. And also Lovely. one one bit, so one scene I really loved. So simple. It's just he uh, gets a job as a night watchman. I mean, you can say spoilers because this film's eighty two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's even gone past the copyright uh, infringement, isn't it? So, um, it, it one bit when he's roller skating in an apartment store. Yeah. Um, a department store, sorry. Uh, and he's just avoiding getting close to the edge when he's blindfolded. But the way he roller skates. Yeah. Sublime, isn't it? it? It just looks like a great ice skater. Yeah. I could watch him, and I thought. I, I actually, when you watch someone doing something and they're brilliant at you instantly want to go and yeah, try yeah. it. But seeing him roller skate, I thought, just do the whole thing on roller skating. The one it's so I, magical. The one I thought was so incredible, I just go, you know, I've seen sort of parkour people do something similar, but never comedically and funny, is the one where he dives off um, a little jetty into a lake yeah. and it turns out to be really shallow. So he's actually dived hands first into this thing and then hitch, hit mm. the rock immediately and then done a pratfall and just like, oh, it's just the very idea of trying to replicate that myself terrified me. Where's that? <laughs> just diving head first towards solid ground. Um, you've got the stories, you've got the stuff that, like, elements of this have been, you've seen the silence filming like the artist, but like Jackass is the early elements yeah. of doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just separated and made more extreme. But and less skillful as well in Jackass. It's the very fact that they're sort of naive and not good at this. They're just throwing themselves into danger is sort of the yeah. appeal. Whereas this is a real craft. I think you. Do, I, I think uh, harking on about the same thing. You go back to how talented they were because they're limited by how they filmed yes. things, so they had to be talented. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the good news is, it's on YouTube. Yes, for free. It's public domain, is it these days? I think it is, or one. I don't know, but I'm sure it must be. 
Yeah, it seemed to be legit copy that we watched anyway. Um, but no, I thoroughly recommend it. Modern Times, it's it's always rated as one of the top films of yeah, all time. Yeah, I think it, and it should be. I was watching being, I was quite uh, a sceptical when I went to watch it, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah. Should we talk about The General? The General. Okay, so ten years earlier, in uh, sort of... Uh, the the height of his uh, the peak of his career actually Buster Keaton who came before Chaplin, um, and was the, the the big dog at the time I guess, um, he made this film about um, the American Civil War. It's based on a true story, um, and it's about a train engineer on a train simply called the General, whose uh, train is stolen by uh, the North in order to uh, go down the track and basically destroy signalling posts and bridges and all sorts as they go along in order to uh, help their invasion of the South. So, interestingly, you know, uh, revisionist history and all, Buster Keaton, the, the hero Buster Keaton, uh, is on the side of the South. Um, and so it's, it's basically one long routine uh, based on and around a train. It's a train chase film. Yeah, train chase, which uh, hasn't been done for a long time, apart from The Lone Ranger, which tried it recently. I didn't bother going to see it. Um, yeah, incredible. Again, again, just like phenomenal what they're doing with what this. What a film. What yeah. a film. I was because I watched Modern Times. I was pleasantly surprised. Buster Keaton. I think we should maybe talk about the differences between. I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton. Me too. Uh, and just look at some of the stuff he does. Just put him into uh, his greatest tricks into YouTube and look up stuff he's... Yeah, yeah. Some of the pranks he's done are, um, or the set pieces he's done are incredible. This wasn't as sort of jokey as those. It's more of a story as yeah. well, like Modern Times, more of a, a narrative. So it wasn't a big, sort of hugely comic film. No, and it was commercially um, not a success either because it was deemed at the time neither a comedy nor a drama. And the thing is that Buster Keaton was the most proud of it out of all of his films because it, it's... It's. It doesn't need to be a pure genre piece. It's about something, and it is funny at the same time. And and this was actually, it it didn't bomb. It didn't bomb at the box office, but it didn't make enough money that this was the last film, like Modern Times with uh, Charlie Chaplin. This was the last last film that he got to uh, call the shots, got to do what he liked. So after this film, he ha- he was forced to sign a sort of golden handcuffs agreement with MGM, and he didn't make anything quite so good again. But. There's something about his face which I find incredible. Yeah, he he looks so doer, doesn't he? It's almost like Edgar Allan Poe or oh, someone. It's great. He's got these huge big eyes which he's got with his eyeliner on. Yeah, yeah. The long nose. He doesn't ever. There's no real smiling. It's him looking. I can't put my finger on what. What is the expression you say? He put Paul. Just. It's a grave expression, isn't it? Sort of. It's- quizzical look I don't know there's a sadness to it as well yeah it's like he's just seen a really sort of dramatic car crash but he's so watchable I love I can just watch his face let alone what he does he's like the Rolling Stones to Chaplin's Beatles isn't he yeah I do think that's (laughs) he yeah he's cooler but oddly enough Chaplin's more pop he's more sort of well known yeah yeah, you yeah. wouldn't if you did that as a show on television called Pointless, where they get to name ask hundred people to name someone. I be if I bet ninety nine out of a hundred people could name Chaplin. Yeah. Whereas Buster Keaton, you're looking about yeah. ten people, and then Harold people. Lloyd even fewer. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but the general, it's... I mean, just him running around that train and do like there are there are stunts where you go that was just him doing it, and if he hadn't done it, something terrible would have happened. But it's beautiful. You've got these beautiful. Uh, uh, I mean, you do realize that some had some of the shots they do they have a huge budget for. Yeah, it was seven hundred and fifty thousand, I think, okay. at the time. Which is, if you think, is nineteen twenty six. It was seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I think it took. Uh, one million, so yeah. that's why it was deemed such a failure. But him just on a train cutting out wood in the background, you've got these hordes of the North armies. Yeah, yeah. Just in, the, he's not even noticing them going past in the field. Some beautiful shots. I've read about that as well. You probably read the same things, but um, he had, I think it was five hundred extras in total who were all, uh, you know, actual military men. I think, mm-hmm. but he had them uh, go past the camera dressed as the armies from the North, then go around the camera change costume and go in the opposite direction as the armies from the south so it's the same extras yeah. going around it's great I mean you can watch this on YouTube and you can watch it uh, and do change your YouTube settings to 720 I always put it oh yeah yeah because it's a lot clearer and a lot crisper now this HD. one is public domain because yeah. and I read about this uh, they forgot to renew it they forgot to renew their copyright and so it passed into public domain later on I think like in the 70s or someone something um a guy recut it and then copyrighted the recut version. Oh, okay. So, but you can still get the original for free. And what about the score, though? Yeah, great, great original score. It sort of evokes lots of sort of um, American tunes at the time, but they're not quite the same. They're sort of minor keys and yeah. notes, and that's all the way through. You've got like an hour and a half of this yeah. classical music, which is brilliant. It, I was annoyed with myself for not having what like everyone and I did put, I put this IMDb thing on Facebook and loads of people shared it and everyone said the same thing oh Chaplin don't watch any Chaplin because we've all got or Buster Keaton all these silent films we've all got these preconceived ideas yeah the, well my preconceived notion about that era would be that they'd be so slow by today's um, uh, standards and they're not yeah. like the pace in both these films it just ramps on, and what you were saying earlier, they are both round about 90 minutes. I yeah. think Modern Times is one hour 27, and um, the the general goes just over the one, one and a half hour mark. But yeah, they are, they're tight films. Mm. And the final sort of battle in the general as well is, like, it's enormous, the scale mm. of that thing. Really great. So also, I've pushed the number of films I've watched to 190 now. Well, haven't watched those two. If I count The Hobbit, which I didn't really want to because I didn't think it should be up there in the oh, top okay. 250, but if I count it, then I'm on uh, 161. There's also someone, uh, James Cook sent in, uh, who's a, a great comedian, sent in a link to a thing called framerater.co.uk, okay. where you can rate your films and share those ratings with other people. So I know he doesn't do that, but I think Framerater. It might be one website too many for you, for me, but it's a way of just if you want to see, share with your friends what films I think is good. Yeah, yeah. I might do that and go through. I've been rating every single film I've watched this year, and go through to and see if you agree with me on those films or not. No, my but, computer ran out of battery, so I can't check that letter. Oh, never mind. But someone wrote in about the film. Um, oh, we're going to change the subject now. We'll finish off talking about this. Yeah. Um, so yes I mean I, I would recommend anybody catch them uh, these films because they're just such an intrinsic part of uh, cinema as well cinema history 
just they in they're clearly informed so many people who've come later who've poured over these films and loved them that you can like there's so many shots I thought in modern times that have influenced Gilliam's Brazil, for instance. Mm. That um, it's just yeah, really nice to see. I just think they're good films. Just watch them; they're three good films on YouTube that I'm annoyed that I haven't watched before. Yeah. So I thought that's Chapman's going to be annoying and that's going to be rubbish because it's old. Well, I'm going to watch The Great Dictator now because I've seen his speech from the end where he finally speaks and he speaks out against fascism, mm. Chaplin. And The Great Dictator was before modern times and probably started the, the very idea he's speaking out against fascism. He was probably a communist. But also the ending of modern times where he, for the first time, sings something. So he's Chaplin actually making a noise, but it's all in gibberish. So it's a nice little end to his silent movie career as well, even though he's spoken in Great Dictator. But anyway. Two great films. Two great films. I'll tell you what, though. What's coming up on October 29th? That is Film Fandango Live, the quiz. Yeah, and what's happening then? Well, we're going to do a live event for everyone to come down and... uh, uh, we're going to have short films and prizes, and uh, it's going to be great. It's at the Forge in Camden on the 29th of October. And if you want to contact us, how can you contact us? You can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Go on our Facebook page, where all the details of the live event are as well, forward slash filmfandango, or tweet us at filmfandango. But I want to give us some money for this podcast is free, and I think I should I should help them out, because it costs lots of money, right? Well, for God's sake, Marit, go to filmfandango.co.uk and press the donate button. And then just type in £4,000. Or more. Great. Uh, Well, we'll be back next week. Keep watching. The films. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.